1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says now about the, well, verse 1 says now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Last week we spent some time uh, talking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, mainly four areas. Um, I, we spoke about the person, the Holy Spirit is a person, the Holy Spirit alone provides the how to the Christian life. If you've been living the Christian life and you are frustrated, have you considered the power behind uh, the Christian life and in that Jesus Christ sent the Holy Spirit so that we would have the how of the Christian life? The Holy Spirit is a person. He has a will. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has power. He is a person. He thinks just like we do. He has thoughts towards you which are of love and to empower you according to his will which glorifies Jesus and fulfills the Father's plan. The Holy Spirit is the how in the Christian walk and and the work of the Holy Spirit always looks like Jesus. It's not going to look weird. It's not going to look funky. Paul's going to talk more about that. And lastly, how to personally receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that, that indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to go and live the life that God has called us to. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says, now, the gifts of the, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. How many of you feel very informed about the gifts, in the, gifts of the Spirit? How many of you know what your gifts are? How many of you are operating in your gifts? How many can you recognize gifts in others? How many of you are totally just settled on the issue? Thus, Paul begins talking to the churches now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. The word gifts, by the way, in verse 1 isn't even in there. Any of you have New King James something, you'll find it in italics, which means that the translators added it in there because the whole context of the chapter is about the gifts of the Spirit. But that word spirit, it's, it's really concerning spirituals. And that word is uh, it's gonna, it's, it's pneumaticos, which is where we get the word pneumatics. And if anybody knows about pneumatics, it means something that uses gas or air to work. And so he's saying... Spirituals now concerning spirituals, brothers and sisters. We've been talking about a lot of carnal stuff. Now we want to get to the spirit things. You're you're designed to work. You're designed to operate on a spirit system. Did you know that? It's not supposed to be anything but the spirit filling you and you working. You are to be under the control and the influence of the spirit, and that's what that word is. I don't want you to be uninformed about how that works, how that plays out in your life. And he goes on and says, and he gives examples of, of their background in verse 2. It says, you know that when you were pagans or Gentiles, non-believers, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Before you were born again, before you were given the Holy Spirit, you were drawn to false gods, false idols who were mute. They did not speak. And Paul's going to contrast that. We have a God that speaks. He's going to be speaking. And that is part of the gift system, a large part of it. Speaking and serving, those two things are the two major categories of the gifts. But they were pagans. They were non-believers. And they were influenced and they were led astray somehow, we know by demons, to mute idols. And he's saying what happened in the past, your past spiritual experiences with 
whatever it was, is not going to equate to your new life in Jesus Christ. These two are incompatible. It's not the same. So don't try to, now that you're filled with the Spirit, operate the same way you did when you were not born again. It's not going to work. Therefore, verse 3, I want you to know, I want you to know, I want to declare to you and impart to you, I don't want you to be ignorant, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And we go, yeah, of course we know that, right? But Paul is laying down a principle here for this group of people to be able to discern because the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues is happening. There's all these gifts working within the body and people are seeing some weird stuff. Things are going kind of crazy in the church of Corinth, much like it's going on this morning. Yeah, we're kind of reserved, so it's hard for us to get it, right? But there's a church that is going as as the fullness of the Spirit upon them. They are operating the gifts of the Spirit, and there's things going on that the leadership goes, what is going on? How do we discern what's going on? What's happening? People are saying under the influence of the Holy Spirit, supposedly, that Jesus is cursed. And Paul's laying down a principle here so they can just know Holy Spirit 101, a person cannot curse Jesus by the Spirit. It doesn't happen. Nor a person uh, cannot have Jesus be Lord without the Spirit. That is a work of a Spirit. He's not just saying, just saying it. It's an actual happening in their life. Jesus is Lord. That is a work of the Holy Spirit, that He is now Lord over me. He is ruling. He is reigning. He is calling the shots. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does within us. He makes us new creations, empowers us now to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ and his teachings like Jesus did, the Spirit of Jesus working in and through us. So the principle, the Spirit always points to and glorifies Jesus Christ. Know this as we begin to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit, the working of the Spirit, will always point to and glorify Jesus Christ. Amen? Repeat that after me. If I start speaking in tongues, or if I start serving someone, or if I start whatever gift God has manifest, whatever grace He's manifest to you, the body of Christ, it's going to edify the body. It's going to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen? That's, what, that's the ground rules Paul is laying down. And we see this principle in John 15, verse 26. He says, When the advocate comes as the Holy Spirit whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. So if you are in a service and someone by the Spirit starts speaking and it's contrary to the testimony of Jesus Christ, the work and the teachings already laid out in Scripture, guess what? Houston, we have a problem. John 16, 13 through 14, it says, But when he, the Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all, truth, all the truth, and he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will, testify, he will tell you uh, what is yet to come, and he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he is going to make known to you. 
the Holy Spirit. There's a lot in there you can chew on about the Holy Spirit, but he is going to testify and glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus is giving this teaching. Why? Because anything that the Holy Spirit says is coming from Jesus. And where does Jesus get his info? The Father. There's an order to things. Thus, he's talking about the picture of marriage earlier and all these types of things. See how it's all tying together? That's something else. We'll come back to that some other day. Now, chapter 12, verse 4 through 6. He's going to say, okay, that's the principle. It's all going to glorify Jesus. It's going to edify the body, which we'll get into later. That's the principle. He's going to say, yet there is incredible diversity within the gifts of the body. And he'll later on talk about it's like a body. There's different parts to it. So the gifts are not all going to be the same. You're not all going to be pastor teachers, are you? You're not all going to be evangelists. You're not all going to be helps people. You're not, you're not all going to be healers or call down fire from heaven and burn people. Just kidding. Come on, joke up, lighten up. <laughs> That's not how it's going to look. There's going to be a diversity within the gifts, and yet there's going to be unity. It's all going to tie together into that principle of glorifying Jesus Christ and edifying the body. And Paul's laying down this principle. Therefore, I want you to know, whoever is speaking by the Spirit, it says, Jesus be cursed, and no, no way that, can anybody say that. And Jesus is Lord, except for the Holy Spirit is in them. And in verse 4 through 6, he says, there are different kinds of gifts. He starts off, but the same Spirit distributes them all. How awesome. There are different kinds of gifts, yet the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, and in every one of them, it is the same God at work. So verse 4 says there are different gifts. There are different gifts. Guess what the word gifts means? Come on now. It's the word charis, which is where we get the word grace. The very word gifts of the Spirit means grace. God has imparted His grace to you in its various forms. Spiritual gifting, by definition, is grace given to you by the Spirit of God. Tell me how you earn grace. Isn't that cool? Isn't that the best? Isn't that awesome? You know, one thing I love is that picture of the Old Testament where Abraham is sending out his servant Eleazar. We don't know what his name is actually in in that, that text. Later on, you find out his name is Eleazar, which basically is the name for the Holy Spirit in Hebrew. But you see Abraham, the father, sending out a type of the spirit to go get a bride for his son in a faraway land. And when he sees that bride, what does he do? He, and she says, yes, I will follow you back. What does he do? He clamps a bunch of jewelry on her. He gives her gifts. So she walks into her father's house with all these gifts, like, dad, look what I got. She's got a nose ring going on. I mean, how cool is that? The Holy Spirit gifts his bride. That is what he has done to each of you. It is not earned. It is given out of love. 
Spiritual gifting by definition is grace given to you by the Spirit of God. It's unearned, and he's going to list nine manifestations of God's grace here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. More is listed in Romans 12, and then Ephesians chapter 4. So this is not exhaustive. This is not exhaustive as people would like to say. I think it just goes on and on and on. But he's giving some parameters here so they can kind of not be ignorant. They can understand so I can understand. I will not be ignorant about these things. And then he goes, hey, there's, so there's different giftings given by the Spirit. And he says there's different service, verse 5, but the same Lord. Service is the word diakonos, where we get deacons. It simply means to serve. Perhaps Paul's thinking here the spiritual gifted offices, speaking in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 11 through 13 where it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? So they could make money and have awesome cars and fly around the country. What does that say? No, it says, To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, not being blown to and fro. He goes on like that. How awesome. God gives gifts to equip and to build up the body. The body cannot be equipped without those works of service happening in the body. A lopsided church is where the pastor is it. Amen? He's called others to serve, to equip. And then lastly, the different workings or activities, but the same God is at work in all. Workings is a Greek word for where we get our word energy, energetic, and power. So there are different empowerments. Signs and wonders probably is talking about, but God is at work in all. And really quick, do you guys notice something that Paul is tying in here with these three different examples? Who is he pointing to as three different examples? See the Trinity in there? You see the Spirit's giftings, the Son's service, and the Father's working. Pretty awesome. Diversity, yet unified, all working together to accomplish God's plan. This is how the gifts of the Spirit work, as Paul's going to elaborate. Now, the purpose of the gifts, verse 7. What is the purpose of my gifts? Now, some, we're going to be getting to the question about what are my gifts. But what is the purpose of a gift? Why have each of you been given a gift? It says now in verse 7, Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good for the benefit of all. Why have you been gifted by God? For the benefit of others within the body. So your primary gifting is not for numero uno, is it? God has given to you so that you might what? So that you might give. As you have been given, so you give away. They're not to be hoarded. Spiritual gifts are meant to be used and given out as the Holy Spirit gives them. So, notice real quickly in verse 7, it says now to how many people? Each one. If you have received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you fall into the each one category. Did you know that? What does that mean? That means that you 
have already been gifted by God. You've been given a gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might not be around the church to find out what that is. That is the context in which we use it, correct? And so, if you're not around other godly people, if you're not around the church, you will not know what that is what that is in your life. You will not know what that is for because that is the context mainly in which God uses the gifts of the Spirit to edify the body, to glorify Jesus Christ. And so what do you think one of the tactics of the enemy would be? To have you preoccupied with superpowers that don't exist instead of the real powers that do to be drunk with wine instead of filled with the Holy Spirit, to be smoking pot instead of to be filled with the Holy Spirit, laying it out. Counterfeits. To be entertained. To be mesmerized by the world instead of the things of the Spirit. There's a tactic of the enemy to keep you from knowing all that God has for you. Did you not know that? Yes, there's counter-warfare. But each one has been given a manifestation. That word manifestation means to be made known. God has given you a, a gift of the Holy Spirit to make him known to someone so that when they look at the gift operating in your life, they go, God is here. God is here. You're not God. God is working through you. God is speaking through you. He is serving through you. He is loving through you. He's exhorting through you. Goes on and on. You. God has given you a gift to make him known in a diverse and unique way. Why? For the common good, for the profit of all, for the good of the body. 1 Peter 4.10 It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Notice God's given you grace and you're to use that to serve others in its various forms. Verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. The gifts are God's grace in various forms given to each of us to serve one another to God's glory. Also, if you look at this passage, it helps us to understand a little bit more about God's gifts. Some important aspects about spiritual gifts. First of all, in 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, First, as we discussed, they are God's gifts. They are His grace given to us. Secondly, the gifts have various forms. We talked about that. And thirdly, uh, two major groupings of the gifts are found in, in this verse. In verse 1, speaking and serving. If you speak, do it as if God speaks to you. If you serve, do it with the power of God. Do you see those two major areas? Speaking and serving. How Speaking, what does that mean? Well, a lot of gifts have to do with talking. There's prophecy, there's teaching, there's tongues, there's those types of things, exhortation, encouragement, whatever it might be. But then there's helping, 
Notice God, we, we try to gravitate and excommunicate one or the other based upon our giftings. Obviously, I'm going to talk about sharing, sharing the lost a lot with, with the Lord, uh, sharing the, you know, obviously I don't have, I lost the gift of talking right now. I need to have the gift of being quiet. <laughs> but we'll emphasize what we're strong in sometimes, and that's okay. But realizing that there's diversity within the body of Christ. If you're a vocal gift, realize that quite often nothing is going to get done without people who are serve, have the serving gift. And it's not that we're not all called to do both. Amen? It's just that there are certain supernatural giftings that God gives us to do things. But the gifts tend to gravitate towards a speaking or a doing. That is Jesus. He taught and he ministered to people and then he fed the 5,000. He taught them about the word and the kingdom of God and he reached out and healed them. You see that? You see the perfect... Uh, working of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, like teaching and healing, prophecy and helping, all are for the benefit of others in the body, using the grace given to you to give to others. Now he's going to, in verses 8 through 10, he's going to give nine gifts, and this is non-exhaustive, but verse 8 he begins, and here we're just going to lay out some of the gifts of the Spirit. He's going to give examples right now. It says, to one there is given Notice who gives it through the Spirit a message of wisdom and to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. The emphasis is upon the Spirit giving out gifts throughout this whole section. He gives one person one kind of gift and another person another kind of gift. He's going to give Fred a gift and he's going to give Lori a different gift. And some of you may have the same gifting within the body, and it will look differently. Some of you will be teachers, let's say, like, like I'll teach. I tend to gravitate towards that. But it's going to look a little bit different. And it's going to look, it's going to match with your personality, let's say. It's going it's to look differently. But he's given different gifts to different people. But he says to one, a message of wisdom, and another, a message of knowledge by means of that same spirit. So here are two gifts that God could have gifted you with. And notice he can gift it and move things around and activate it and deactivate it as he wants. But he has given you gifts. Has he given you the gift of wisdom or the, or the word of knowledge in a certain circumstance? Let me explain what they mean just real quickly. Word of uh, wisdom is given first, word of knowledge is second, but it's easier for me to understand if I switch them around. And so... The word of knowledge, it has nothing to do with natural ability. By the way, all these gifts have nothing to do with natural ability. Nothing. And we'll talk about that next week. Because there's such an emphasis on finding my strength and then going out and doing things for God. This has nothing to do with that. God has given us abilities. We're to do stuff with what? All our mind, soul, heart, and strength. So that's not discounting that. But spiritual gifting has to do with God supernaturally enabling you to do something that you would not otherwise be able to do without his empowerment. And so he gives you the word of knowledge. What does that mean? It means God gives you knowledge of something that you otherwise would have not known. Like if God were to somehow impart to me algebra. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) That's a bad example. 
Let me give you an example. John chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. It says, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks this water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to them, in them to eternal life. And the woman at the well, remember this story, said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go call your husband back and come home. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, here we go. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is just is, is quite true. Jesus had never met her, yet he knew her circumstances with precision. This is an example of a gift of the word of knowledge. There was something that Jesus knew, that he knew and he knew in his spirit without having known the circumstance before. Yes, he is God. We don't want to get into all that right now. I mean, we do, but you know what I'm saying. Have you experienced that in the body of Christ? You're sitting and talking with someone, a brother or sister in the Lord, and all of a sudden, you have just this download of understanding about the inner workings of what's going on inside that person's heart or mind or circumstance that they are not revealing to you or they do not know. I know you're going, what? But some of you are going, uh-huh, exactly. And, God, and, and now, with that, what do you, you instantly do? You go, that's crazy. Amen? Dismiss, Goodbye. Instead of going, is that you, Lord? Are you giving me insight into this person's heart and circumstance for the purpose of outing them and destroying them? For the purpose of edifying them and glorifying Jesus Christ. Are you allowing me to experience this? This happens quite often, I'm told, when I'm teaching. I will be talking about a specific circumstance and I don't know what's going on in the inner workings of someone's life. And someone will come to me and go, man, it's just as if you were talking exactly to me, exactly the circumstance that was going on. It was as if I was just embarrassed or, or, or I was exposed and, and man, just real thankful that happened because God did this. Has that ever happened to you? You know, whilst under, under the word of God teaching, doesn't happen, have, happen to have to me. That's God working in a way, exposing your heart. Why? Because he loves you or teaching you something or giving you, wish, uh, showing you how to go somewhere or do something or it just connects with where you are in life. You know what I'm saying? And that's the Lord working. That's him working. That's amazing. And I don't, I'm, I don't even, I'm not even aware of it half the time. But he is. Another example, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Well, actually, let's, let's, no, sorry about that. I, I jumped ahead of myself. Sorry about that. Uh, Peter with Ananias and Sapphira. Now, a man named Ananias, and this is Acts chapter 3. Now, a man named Ananias and Sapphira together with, uh, sorry, Ananias with, together with his wife Sapphira, they also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said to Ananias, 
How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Did it not belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold? Wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think you could do such a thing? You have not lied to human beings but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized on all that had happened. Notice the body was edified. Ananias and Sapphira were not edified. They were cleansed, so to speak. (laughs) Brought home early, early checkout. But the body was edified, and the gospel went forward. Jesus was glorified. And Peter, how was he to know all this stuff? It was by the Holy Spirit. Another example, Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, right? And some men came bringing a paralyzed man, carrying them by uh, four of them. Verse 4, and since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof uh, above Jesus, digging through it and lowered the man on a mat down, verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? How in the world does anybody know what they were thinking? It says in the next verse, well, they say he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. He knew what they were thinking in their hearts. How does that happen? And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Jesus knew in his spirit that they, what they were thinking. And it's another example of the word of knowledge. You just got a download. And all of a sudden, it clicked. Now, how do these gifts operate? They operate in faith. You have to step out and you have to trust the Lord. And they happen within the context of the body. So if someone gets it wrong, guess what? We all lovingly encourage and correct. And it's not like a one and, oh, I'm a failure, goodbye. No, you help develop these gifts and encourage it and say, you know what? The heart was right, the spirit was wrong. And we work with one another on these things. They are for us. But notice in Corinthians, it says that some are given the word of knowledge and word of wisdom, and these two come together. What is the word of wisdom then? Well, you got a bunch of knowledge. What do you do with it? It's how you apply it in a way that is God-given, and it's in a way that would only God would do. And so if you keep reading in Mark chapter 8, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 8 through 12, he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Now here's the wisdom. He says, which is easier to say? To this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk, which is easier. Hey, your sins are forgiven, Larry. Like, well, you cannot see that, can you? You, That's something spiritual that happens, so what does Jesus do? He does something physical that proves that something spiritual had happened. Amen? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, take up your mat, Get your, uh, and go home. And he got up and he took his mat and walked out in full view of them. And this amazed everyone. And what did they do? They praised God, saying, we have seen this. What Jesus did with the info and how he did it was specifically given by God a word of wisdom. He knew their hearts were doubting, but then acted upon the knowledge, showing them that indeed he, he did have the power to forgive sins. He was authorized by the Father to do this. He was God. 
and he showed them something that did not, they could not see actually did happen by what was seen, and that is how God works all the time. Get up and walk. Now, how does this work in our sitting regarding the gift of the word of knowledge? We've talked about it, talking about in service. When you are meeting with someone, you're talking with someone, you're praying with someone, all of a sudden you get an insight. Don't dismiss it. Say, Lord, is this you? And I would encourage you, if you are a person in the spirit, and you're saying, my purpose in knowing this is to bring this out so this person would be freed and God would be glorified. If that is your motive, if that is your motive, I would encourage you then to step out and speak. Do you see that precursor? The gifts of the Spirit are always for what? The edification of the body and the glorification of God. Notice sometimes edification is Ananias and Sapphira. Barely, you know, we try to, don't let that stop you. But a lot of the time, it's to free someone and encourage someone, amen? Or to edify someone, let them know God is there. I spent time on that because it's, it's, it's an important gifting in the work of the body. Regarding the word of wisdom, the guy that I was with on the plane I talked to you about last week, on the way home, I had prayed that morning, God, or a couple of days before, God, give me an opportunity. I know I'm going to be on the plane. Give me an opportunity to share the Lord with you. I'm sitting on the plane, and I look over, and I see the guy next to me with the book, How Good is Good Enough to Get into Heaven? God works really simple with me. Okay, you know, <laughs> I've got a word of knowledge, you know, it's like, I knew that the door was open. Now, what do I do? I just start asking questions. What's that book about? What are you reading? And I just let the conversation flow, looking and asking for God's guidance, and it did. And he started asking things pertaining specifically to the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit, the very things we were studying. Do you think God has a plan of not only edifying that brother in the Lord who had a a misunderstanding of the person of the Holy Spirit, but encouraging me and then coming back and encouraging you with that? Do you think God had a big, giant plan, let alone his kids in California who are praying for him, who handed him that book as he left? God is working. How is he working? Through the Holy Spirit, through his church, on a plane. Here, in your workplace. Don't stop. Let him flow. Don't doubt. Time for one more. I was just thinking how we're going to need the Lord to give us that divine knowledge and that divine wisdom in the months to come. Amen? Pray that he manifests that to to us. Faith and healing, the next one. They're kind of paired together. To another he gave faith, and by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing, and by that one Spirit, the gift of faith. Now we're all given a measure of faith. You've all been given faith, Romans 12, 3. This is like a booster shot of faith for a moment that you need or a circumstance. It's against all odds you know that God is going to do this, and you're going to step out in it. You know. There was a moment when we talked about uh, before when when you rescinded the offer to us, rightfully so, we talked about all that, but I knew, even though I might have been doubting, Christine knew that this was God's will for us to be here. There's no, I talked to friends, they're like, no, there's no way on earth this is ever working out. And I said, yeah, that's right, no way on earth. But God, he made it clear. 
Because he said, and it's going to happen. I don't know how. I'm not going to manipulate it. It's just going to work. And that was not of me. Faith to go share when you normally don't share. You know God's putting that person on your heart, and you are just like, oh my. Is, is this really what you want? Now's the time, Lord? Okay. You've you walked by a hundred people, and all of a sudden, that's the one. But God, you don't realize I don't, I don't do this. And all of a sudden, this war goes within you, and you're just like, I've got to. And you step out and you go, and as you go, you find out God met you there. Faith. Peter. Uh, Matthew, well, actually. Let's go real quickly. Matthew chapter 14, 28 through 29, where Peter stepped out from the boat to walk on the water. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out into the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got, got down off the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Incredible faith. Incredible faith. This is not your ordinary, everyday faith, it seems like. It seems like it's an empowerment to step out in obedience to what God has called you to do, regardless of the circumstances around you. And it's interesting, really quickly in closing, that faith and healing are always linked. Faith and healing are always linked. You never find someone who is healed without faith. And people can take that and abuse that and say, the reason why you're not healed is because you don't have faith. Now, sometimes that's true. I don't want to discount that. Sometimes that is true. But sometimes God wants you to suffer because there's a greater glory in Jesus Christ being found, uh, seen in and through your suffering, just like Jesus suffered. So don't, we have to have discernment in that. But Acts chapter 3, our last picture here. Peter heals a, heals a lame beggar. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. There was a man who was lame from birth being carried to the temple, which is called the, the gate, which is called beautiful. Verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money and Peter looked straight at him as did John. And then Peter just kept walking by. Now something clicked in Peter's heart. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. There's a guy probably sitting there going, hey, money, money, just looking down because everybody rejects him. He says, look at us, and he looks at him, and he makes an eye connection. Something spiritual starts happening. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them, and he did. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And taking him, he didn't even just say it. He reached down and grabbed his hand and yanked him up. A guy who's been lame from birth, he reaches down, grabs him, and yanks him up. How many of you are doing that this, this afternoon? You've got to have some serious faith to be doing that kind of stuff. And that's what God has empowered you with serious faith. It is yours, and God has gifted some of you with that gift for circumstances that are coming up. Did you know that? It is yours in Jesus Christ. How exciting. Do you think there's people who need to be healed in this valley miraculously? Do you think God might want to heal some of them through you? I do. I have no doubt. I don't have the gift of healing. I pray for people, and they die. I'm just kidding. 
I'm usually like, Lord, take him home, you know? I know, I know. That's why I get, get the little kids praying for you, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I try, but nothing, it's just not there. Why? Because I'm not supposed to have everything. Matt, there you are. Operate with what I've given you. And let the body work. That's you. And by the way, some of you other are great teachers. Gifted by God. Men and women, amen? Excited about that. More of that. They took him by the right hand, helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And we see multiple ma- manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit here. Word of knowledge. How was he to know that this person had faith? Something connected with his eyes. He knew. And then wisdom. What do I do? Go reach out and grab him and say this. And, and he grabbed him and he pulled him up. Faith. And then healing happened as that happened. And notice the man was edified. Jesus was glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ, say, get up and walk. Something about healing, we mostly see it in the New Testament as a sign to help spread the gospel. We mostly see it as a sign, and it usually happens with people who have not yet received the Lord. Do you see that a lot? How, I want you to go through and see how many of the disciples were, were healed. How many believers were healed? I just, just go through there. I don't want to discourage you, but I want you to go through and then see what the context was for healing what the context was for these things. I'm not, I do not want to limit God in any way. He can do whatever he wants. He is sovereign, and I invite him to heal totally. But someone who has been hurting for long periods of time stands before you right now and has cried out to God for healing, and God has said, no. And it's not because I lack faith, and maybe sometimes it is. I think he has other plans. But it is often assigned to unbelievers about the power of the gospel. And as people are seeing people being healed, they're going, what is that? And their eyes are open to the power and the reality of Jesus Christ. So for those of you who desire to heal or want to be healed, I must ask you, and why, does, why, why does God heal and how does he heal? Go search it out. Go before your father and ask him. And some of you have such compassion for people, and yet you've never reached out and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Or prayed for someone to truly be healed. Because you're you're worried about what they might think. And that is the struggle with the gifts. They're easy to talk about, hard to accomplish, because they always operate in faith. They always operate in faith. And the opposite of faith is what? Fear. Fear of what? I don't know, but that's the devil's playground, and he can just play on it all day long. So go this week. Be blessed. Be filled with the Spirit. We're going to talk more about this next week and move into the rest of it. We're going to talk about what gifts are yours and how you get them and all that great stuff next week. Amen? God bless you. You're dismissed.